Back here on Sports Talk as we continue. Time for our weekly chat with the one and only Jay Jaffe. We missed out on Jay while we were out last week on vacation, but we're fortunate enough to have him back with us right now for our weekly regular radio hit. Jay, it's always great to have you back. How are things out there in beautiful Brooklyn, New York? I'm doing all right here. Um, you know, all things considered, uh, uh, it's uh, it had, had a few nice days here. My daughter is uh, home. She had some uh, day camp experiences uh, the last few weeks, but now we've got her back with us, and so that poses a bit of a challenge. But uh, other than that, uh, um, things are, things are looking on the bright side as far as the the virus situation here in New York City, at least, and uh, um, that that's a positive note. Are they going to school right now in New York City, or is everything virtual over there? Um, their school will start in September. Um, there's a lot of uh, uh, controversy over whether there's going to be any kind of uh, 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 in-person schooling. There's uh, yep. a lot of negotiations going on with that. Um, my daughter, uh, uh, her, her preschool, I think, is going to open, but uh, you know, we're still uh, crossing our fingers and hoping everything remains on track. I, uh, for your sake, I agree with you. I'm sure that uh, most people would say the same thing. Although here, we've got virtual school going on right now, and uh, we're interested to see when uh, in-classroom learning gets back around El Paso. We don't know when this could be. It could be next month. It could be October. It might be next year when it's all said and done. Yeah, I mean, you know, everything's up in the air here. We're lucky that we've got a very low case count here, and uh, Mm -hmm. uh Testing rates in New York City are down below a quarter of a percent positive. So um, wow. that's really that's really exciting news. That is. That's great to hear. All right. Speaking of great to hear, how about uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. And, and the show he's been putting on against uh, Texas uh, this series and really what he's been doing uh, all season long for the Padres? I mean, this guy is just an incredibly entertaining player. Uh, he's shown a lot of growth over last year when he was off to a very strong start as a rookie, uh, but had some injuries, ended up playing only 84 games. Um, his first 100 games uh, uh, in the majors, uh, a point that he reached uh, a little over a week ago, uh, compare favorably when you stack him up against guys like uh, Francisco Lindor and Corey Seager and, and Carlos Correa, kind of the big three of uh, uh, the young shortstops over the last few years. Um and really, his, his numbers uh, look great next to Mike Trout's over the same, the same time span. Um, this is a, a, an incredibly exciting player. He's been a little rough on the fielding side, uh, mostly due to uh, his throwing. But as a hitter, he is uh, elite. Um, tops in a lot of uh, major categories, including exit velocity, home runs, um, and, and wins above replacement. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of uh, there's a high entertainment value that goes with it. Uh, whether you're talking about the bat flips. Um, or uh, uh, the speed, or or just anything you can name. He's he's got it all. Meanwhile, I saw a lot of um, of comments from you. Some I can't repeat on the radio about the <laughs> unwritten rules discussion uh, yeah. involving Tatis and uh, swinging on a three zero count uh, with a seven run lead in the eighth inning. We spent a lot of time on it yesterday, and the majority decision from everybody is that uh, the unwritten rules are, are, are long gone. That was my story on the website. I think they ended years and years ago. Uh, as we've seen everything explode with social media, the internet, everybody gets a voice, everybody has a comment, and, and, and everything is so simultaneous. I feel like nowadays, you know, if you're an older athlete and or a 
fan and you wanted to go to some of the uh, unwritten rules like you talked about, hey, um, you know, the sports evolves and baseball continues to evolve like we're watching right now. Yeah, agreed. I mean, it's it's been frustrating to see uh, this uh, kind of uh, internal culture war uh, that's centered around the unwritten rules, uh, which, you know, let's face it, are very tilted towards a very white and conservative style of play. Um, you know, and, and, and I think has had, you know, done a lot to try to stifle, uh, a, you know, a lot of uh, uh, players who, who are outside that culture. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, you know, with regards to the, the on-field celebrations, the bat flips, the fist pumps, things like that. And, um, you know, the, the way that the, that the, that the, uh, um, uh, the unwritten rules of, against celebration kind of connects to this sort of, you know, retaliatory biblical eye for an eye sensibility. I think is really the big problem I have with it. Um, you know, after Tatis hit that home run, uh, uh, the uh, Rangers uh, reliever uh, threw a ball behind Machado's head, and he's, you know, you just can't have that. I, it, we're, you know, the game should be should be trying to move past that mentality. And we've, you know, we saw him get suspended for three games, which. Uh, um, you know, is is uh, is substantial when you consider this is only a sixty a sixty game season. That's basically eight games over the course of a full season. So, uh, I like that that uh, uh, that was the outcome. I didn't like the two managers' uh, uh, initial comments with regards to the propriety of Tatis swinging three and zero. But I, I do appreciate that both managers kind of went back in the light of day and and thought about it a little bit more and kind of realized that. Uh, yeah, the game is is evolving, and and really it belongs to the players. And and uh, uh, you know, Fernando Tatis is a guy who who uh, is becoming you know one of the faces of baseball. And and uh, uh, I think it's it's you know you gotta you got you gotta let that go where it's going to go instead of trying to stifle um, all the stuff that makes him such a compelling uh, player to watch. It's fun to watch the young talent right now, isn't it? I know Luis Robert got hurt yesterday diving for a ball, but you know, you look at Tatis, you look at some of the young guys that are just um, tearing it up right now in baseball, and uh, it's fun to see the next generation uh, starting to make a name for themselves, whether they're the, the good, young, hard-throwing pitchers or whether we're talking about some of the uh, potential stars like Eloy Jimenez and, and Tatis and Robert and, and, and so many of the other good rookies uh, that are out there right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the just we've been hearing for so long about how baseball has lost ground to basketball and to football uh in terms of its place in the American consciousness. Well, it's it's these guys uh that are, you know that are charged with bringing it back and it's baseball's uh duty to try to figure out how to let these guys, you know, connect uh with with fans and and to, you know, to to change uh uh to help change the way that that baseball is perceived in this country as something more than uh uh, just an outdated uh, and very white sport. Good point. As we continue with uh, Jay Jaffe, how do you explain twenty-nine-year-old um, Mike Yastrzemski and what he's doing right now with the Giants? You know, well, first of all, excellent bloodlines, great baseball IQ. Uh, <laughs> you know, his father was was a uh, was a high draft pick, and unfortunately had some uh, had some injuries and some problems, and, and never made it to the major leagues, and and, and died at a fairly young age. Uh, but Mike Yastrzemski showed uh, in the minors and, and upon reaching the majors a, a willingness to, ch- to change. And, and I know he's good friends with Tony Kemp, who's now with the A's. And Kemp kind of encouraged him to look into the launch angle revolution stuff. And uh, he, you know, Yastrzemski changed his swing, and um, you know, suddenly he has become a, a late blooming, late blooming 
uh, prospect at, at, at the major league level and turned himself into, you know, somebody who was just, you know, a guy the Giants were taking a flyer on to somebody who, you know, has a place uh, in that organization and, and looks like a real keeper. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to track his progress and to see him turn from, you know, t- uh, suspect to prospect, as we like to say. And uh, really, he's arrived and, and he, he's shown uh, year over year growth. Uh, uh, as a hitter, he's become very patient, and uh, uh, he always had a good glove. And and uh, uh, now uh, we're seeing that combined with uh, some some excellent performance. He and Tatis were tied atop the Fangraphs uh, wins above replacement leaderboard uh, at, at, going into yesterday. Wow, that's good stuff. Hey, we'll have more with uh, Jay as Sports Talk continues. But first, uh, let's go to Adrian. Bottom of the hour, Sports Center updates next. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. Jay Jaffe joins us. You have a question for Jay, send it to us right now, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter or on our free mobile app powered by United Bank. We'll get Jay's beer pick in a little bit, but first, you wrote yesterday about Mookie Betts and how he's building a case for Cooperstown. It's so funny because I still look at a guy like Mookie Betts and think of him as a youngster, but then I realize he's been in the league for a while now, and you know he's really been a complete player since uh, he made that shift very early on going from second base uh, to the outfield. Yeah, Betts came up in, in late 2014 or mid-2014 and uh, was second base for a while while Dustin Pedroia was out, but then he shifted to the outfield. Uh, I know the Red Sox uh, uh, toyed with him playing center field and uh, figured that Jackie Bradley was a bit better fit there, but uh, uh, what Betts has done as a right fielder, uh, his his fielding metrics are off the charts uh, he's an excellent hitter as well, had that big MVP year. Uh, his other seasons haven't quite uh, uh, measured up to, to that scale, uh, but uh, just an excellent hitter, good power, good speed, 30-30 that one year, that MVP year. Uh, always uh, uh, one, you know, one of the best uh, two-way players in the league. Uh, and what I found basically was that uh, using my job system, uh, which measures a player's career, uh, and peak wins above replacement against the players at his position in the hall, is that even though Mookie Betts has only played five full seasons plus about uh, 75 games, uh, 52 as a rookie and, and 23 this year, um, the total value he's created in those seven seasons is, is, is higher than the average Hall of Fame right fielder, which, wow, that's, I mean, it is, it's a rarity uh, to see a player do that, to, to come up this quickly and to check up, you know, to, to, to reach that level. I found, I think, something like about uh, uh, 21 guys in all of baseball history who have done that. Um, and all of them uh, are in the Hall of Fame unless they're PED cases uh, or, or ineligible. Uh, Mike Trout's one of them, of course. Uh, Albert Pujols is one of them, um, but and you know they'll be in Cooperstown in due time. But what you know, Betts basically he's building a Hall of Fame career, and it's not just the advanced stats that tell us that. You know, you look at the things he's done. He's got a batting title, an MVP award, four Gold Gloves, four All Star appearances. Uh, really, this is a guy who's who's uh, uh, going to be around for a while, and and uh, I think someday going to be in Cooperstown. What's your take on really a, the minimum number of complete seasons that you would say you need uh, in order to get to the Hall? And you mentioned really what he's been able to do with five full years, which is amazing. But I've always heard 10 is, is kind of the benchmark. Yeah, is that well, still the first case? First of all, you have to play in parts of 10 seasons even to be eligible. So Mike Trout just reached technical eligibility this year. But, yeah, I think you generally want to see, you know, 10 good to great seasons and, and – uh, uh, but you know it's it's um, 
using wins above replacement, I, it just shows that, that uh, uh, not every good good to great season is created equal. Some are elite seasons, and uh, uh, the way my system works, it's uh, uh, those best seasons you get kind of double credit for. And Betts has two seasons that have been worth uh, uh, more than nine wins above replacement. We're talking two, like, Mike Trout-level seasons here. Um, yep. you know, or Willie Mays level seasons even, and that's uh, uh, that that goes a long way. But you know, it's going to be time. He's he just signed a twelve year deal. He's not going to be. Uh, um, I don't think he's going to be taking an early retirement and resting on his laurels here. Um, I looked in the context of uh, what the projections say with regards to his uh, the, the his career arc, and he looks like this is a guy who, if uh, uh, even by a conservative estimate, could end up one of the top ten right fielders of all time, kind of up there with Al Kaline and 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 Larry Walker and 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 Reggie Jackson. Jay, I don't know if you saw the end of that uh, game yesterday between the Giants and the Angels, but uh, pretty scary when those two pitches uh, uh, were thrown right at uh, you know near Trout's head in the ninth inning. And I know Sean Anderson hasn't had a lot of work, which is why Gabe Kapler said he put him out there. But man, those pitches weren't even close. And when you've got the franchise like that having you know two pitches like that, you you just kind of cringe knowing that luckily he didn't get hit. Yeah, I saw those clips. I didn't see the game itself. I saw those clips afterwards, and was yeah, we were just lucky that uh, um, that that was you know that that didn't turn into uh, you know a real an injury or a real problem. And uh, um, I don't know, boy, just, the Giants uh, bullpen has been rough. I know Gabe Kapler's come under a lot of fire for his handling of it. Um, he's got they got they got to get it together. They got to clean that up and. Uh, uh, I'm just glad that Trout got out of the way of those pitches, but uh, uh, that was definitely scary, and and uh, I don't think uh, anybody thinks it was an intentional. We're talking about a you know a pitcher who hasn't even really established himself in the majors, but uh, um, hopefully uh, that's the closest call we get this year when it comes to Mike. Absolutely. Trout. Hey, hottest teams uh, this week for our conversation: the Astros have won six in a row, and the Diamondbacks have won six in a row. Now they're both over 500. Although uh, Houston still uh, back from Oakland uh, in second place in the West, while the Diamondbacks uh, trail the Rockies and Dodgers. But it's good to see uh, a couple of teams streaking. The Dodgers, by the way, have won seven straight to have the longest win streak. Meanwhile, uh, the Tigers have lost seven, and I know the Red Sox just broke their eight-game losing streak today. Yeah, I've actually I'm writing about the Tigers for tomorrow. Uh, they brought up uh, uh, Tarek Shubal. Uh, sorry, Scooball, uh one of their pitching prospects to start last night. They've got Casey Mize, the overall uh, number one pick of the 2018 draft, going tonight. Uh, they started off nine and five, but like you said, they've lost seven straight. And just kind of wanted to check in and see where they're at, uh, what what there was to that hot start, and the decisions to call these guys up. Um, Dodgers have been playing excellent ball. Uh, Seven-game winning streak in the context of this shortened season is something like the equivalent of an 18-game winning streak during uh, uh, during a full season. So uh, uh, they're dominating. Everybody expected them to be great. Um, but uh, the, the Diamondbacks got off to a slow start, and uh, they've kind of picked it up. And uh, uh, it should be a really interesting race uh, in that division. I don't expect them to challenge uh, the Dodgers, but between the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Padres, you've got three interesting teams there uh, in what uh, looked like it was going to be a pretty one-sided race. Uh, obviously, we're going to get at least two playoff teams from, from the division under the format, so it uh, should, be, should be a fun summer out west. Let's wrap it up. Beer pick of the week, Jay. What would you like to focus uh, on this week? 
Okay, this is one I've probably profiled before. It's a, it's a summer staple around here for, for, for the uh, Jaffe Span household. This is the Five Burrows Brewing Hoppy Lager. Uh, and uh, uh, this is a local brewery. Uh, I, I think uh, um, I've, I've, I've uh, profiled. They've got, they do a good uh, uh, session IPA, kind of a New England-style session IPA, which is one of the best. Uh, but this is their Hoppy Lager, and it's a nice change. Um, you know, it's it's uh, got a hints of citrus here. They use uh, Matuka and Centennial hops. Uh, it's fairly easy drinking, uh, only about six uh, percent uh, ABV. I guess I, I thought it was closer to five, but uh, uh, just a really nice uh, summer quencher beer and uh, um, uh, a bit out of the ordinary. And the, the lager with a with a with that smells like an IPA. Excellent. All right. I'm happy that the Jaffe household is, is, is doing well. That's what it sounds like right now. And uh, in the meantime, hey, enjoy the conversation. Thanks, uh, as always, for the time, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back with us next week. All right. Sounds great, Steve. Take care. Thanks a lot. You too. Follow Jay on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe, and uh, check him out every Wednesday at 420 here on Sports Talk. We'll come back with more right after ABC 7 News with Adrian Ochoa. It's next on 600 ESPN El Paso. On Sports Talk, oh, we're excited when we get a chance to spend some time talking fantasy sports with Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Jeff, good to have you back. Uh, it's been two weeks since we were off last week. How you doing? Let's try that again. Jeff, are you there? Talking a lot, talk, watch a lot of baseball, talking a lot of football, watching a little hockey and basketball, staying busy, and you know, busy's good. How about this college sports news we're hearing that uh, potentially uh, college athletes in the fall could get that uh, that year of eligibility back no matter what happens if they even if they play this year. You know, that's wild, but you know, it's also kind of I mean it shows just cuz we've got an uneven setup right now. We've got uh, you know, some conferences playing, others not. Kind of have to do something for them, I think. And honestly, I think some colleges are running scared right now. NCA and the colleges are running scared right now, uh, afraid that players are trying to organize and all that. So they're giving little concessions here and there. That's, you know, anything that, that prevents them, you know, that short of them actually making money. Um, that's, that's true. Um, but as you know, with three power fives uh, right now saying that they're going to play and two not, it, it's going to be the craziest year ever when it comes to college football. Yeah, I'm skeptical that it still completely happens i mean you look at north carolina right now and you're like what are you doing notre dame just shut down workouts uh you know a lot of this is because of the general college population but any other school that's got the kids back at school i mean honestly introduce and and it's not even here's the thing a lot of you know blame shifting is going on saying like all these kids i mean there's just not obeying the rules some of that's true i've seen i've seen the videos too but some of this is just you have an intake of population People that already had it, you're gonna you're gonna have that spread. It it happens. It's almost impossible to prevent. You even look at like baseball. You look at you know soccer or you know ML the MLS tournament. They had the problems getting the people in. Dallas had to withdraw from the tournament. Nashville had to withdraw from the tournament. Once they got into the bubble, they were fine. But getting into the bubble is hard. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, hey, meanwhile, I got to ask you, just because there are so many great stories uh, going on right now in fantasy baseball, guys like Mike Yastrzemski and uh, Anthony Santander. I mean, I mean, 
It's amazing. They're in the top 10 offensive categories right now in fantasy baseball, and most guys weren't even drafted in their fantasy drafts. Baltimore could have had both of them, uh, but uh, they, they never really gave Yaz that chance. But, yeah, you know, the thing about Yastrzemski is if you look at, like, the hard hit rates and all that after his breakout year last year, it held up. It supported that. It made the case that, hey, this is legit. This is real. Uh, and so far, so good. It's it's been working out pretty well for him, and I love that you know he's getting a chance to play lefties, righties, both right at the top of that order, and he's doing a great job with it. He's fun. Santander just has had oh my gosh, he's had so many big outings, uh, big games recently. Uh, some big you know some really big hits. Uh, the two homer game the other day. Uh, you don't and, and Baltimore is a good story. You know they're, 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 they struggled. They lost today. Their pitching's not going to hold up, but right now they're a playoff team, which is pretty crazy and fun. It's amazing, and that just goes to show you how wild uh, this this entire season's been. Look, Fernando Tatis Jr. is amazing, right? Let's just say it. He's the human highlight film. Yeah. Oh, he, he's amazing. Uh, you know, he plays with such aggressiveness and passion and enthusiasm. It's, it's awesome to see. I love it. So, yeah, it, it, keep that up. Keep doing that. I, I think that would be fantastic. And, um, you know, I just, you know, of course, you know, the big story, of course, was him hitting the, the home run, uh, hitting the grand slam with, with a, you know, a seven-run lead. But come on. You know, it, it, it's funny. Maybe I, I have just a bubble of Twitter feed, but my timeline was 99-1 to 1 in favor of him. Uh, and I, I, my guess is this was, a, you know, this was a one, fairly one-sided argument. How does Nelson Cruz defy Father Time like he has? Same way David Ortiz did. He's he's healthy now. They kept they they found a way to keep him healthy. He's just a flat out good hitter. Uh, and as long as he's healthy, he's going to crank. And I you know that ballpark's actually pretty good for righties. Boy, yep. and he, he's been a lot of fun to watch. And you know facing these central teams also is something that works pretty well in his favor. I think. I'll tell you who I'm excited is back. Bryce Harper's having probably the best start to a year he's had in forever, and he's been he's been terrific when when playing since Philly has missed so many games. Yeah, I you know there, there's a working theory that players often do better in their second year after a big contract. Sometimes the expectations that come with the first uh, contract, uh, you know, you, you kind of get disappointed, but then they come bounce back that year two. If you know, maybe it, I'm kind of retrofitting the theory right now with Harper, but yeah, he, he looks he looks healthy. He's enthusiastic. Too bad he can't pitch. Not yet. That's that's true. Not yet. But you're right. Yeah. More with yeah. Jeff as we keep things moving. That's good. We'll talk pitchers next. Speaking of pitch, right after we go to Adrian in this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We keep things moving right now as we jump back to uh, Jeff uh, from rotowire.com. In fact, if you've got questions, send them our way so we can talk about that with you and with Jeff. Um, Pitching-wise, you know, a lot of the same cast of characters this season been near the top of the leaderboard, but I'll tell you what. Dylan Bundy has been resurgent in Los Angeles. Why is it sometimes pitchers just need to get the heck out of Baltimore for an opportunity to shine? Yeah, it's the Jake Arrieta theory. I mean, it it, it really uh, it, it sometimes I think it's the ballpark. Sometimes I think it's the coaching staff. Sometimes it could be both, and it's like a, a, kind of a perfect confluence, I think, in the case of Bundy and Jake Arrieta before that. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't apply to everyone, but uh, you know, sometimes it's you get a you know you need a change of scenery before you start listening to a coach tell you that you need to be doing things a little bit differently. I think that often happens too. Uh, his pitch mix has changed a little bit. He's going a little bit away from his fastball. 
using his secondary pitches more frequently, and I think that that's a positive thing. That's a trend we've seen across baseball. Yeah, he's healthy now too. Uh, he looks good. Lane looks good. He struggled a little bit the other, uh, the other day. It's like really hot here in Southern California right now. It was 102 in Anaheim yesterday when he pitched. So that's part of the problem for that 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 one start. But uh, you know, I, I you know I think this is a really overall beneficial move for him. Meanwhile, um, it was a couple of years ago we had Bieber fever when Shane Bieber debuted with Cleveland. Now he's looking like a bona fide ace and one of the best pitchers in the game. Yeah, he sure is. That curveball is just nasty. Uh, and, you know, the thing about him, too, is he still gives up hard contact when he get, generates contact. But, you know, it it's so infrequent now. And he, his, stuff, his, his stuff has always been great, and now his pitchability is better and better, too. Uh, and, you know, the whole Cleveland pitching staff, you know, has been on fire. We'll see. You know, I'm really nervous about Cleveland, about like with Plesac and Clevenger. Are they are they going to be ever in an Indians uniform again? It's possible they won't. That's the craziest story ever when you start to think about it. Isn't it nuts that your ace and really a guy that was a number five starter pitching more like a number two or a number three both go out? And the thing is that, and, and I give Cleveland a lot of credit, number one, for bringing them back to the team to, to face their teammates and then to demote them both. And you could tell there was a lot of problems inside that clubhouse. A lot of players were very upset with what yeah. Plesak and Clevenger did out in Chicago. Yeah, uh, and, you know, the meeting didn't go that well. You know, it was kind of, I thought that was eye-opening that, okay, wow, this is this is a big problem. It wasn't just that they did it. I think it's what they did afterward. You know, Plesak had that awful video. Uh, Clevenger apparently, you know, was in the team meeting when they talked about Plesak and didn't uh, divulge that he was also out with them. He basically lied and got on that flight. And you've got Carlos Carrasco is coming back from cancer and, you know, putting him at risk, I think that angered a lot of people. I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm looking at some of the other pitchers that have really been able to just start off strong. Kenta Maeda's had a seamless transition to Minnesota, um, and he's been really good. What about Danielson Lamette out in San Diego and how well he's pitched? Boy, he looks good. Uh, you know, he, he's getting deeper into games now. Uh, he, he, he throws as hard as anybody in the game. He's looking fantastic so far. Uh, you mentioned Maeda. What a wild finish last night! Took that no hitter into the ninth. You know, gives up a bloop, and then you know Taylor Rogers comes in and really was struggled. Uh, and then the defense behind him let him down for that tying run. So Maeda didn't even get the win. They had to go 13 innings. You know what? A, what a wild finish for that. But uh, yeah, he, he looks good. And the thing about Maeda is usually he doesn't throw a ton of innings every year. They kind of have to manage his workload. This season's perfect for him. Absolutely. How difficult is it going to be for people to play fantasy football this year, knowing there's no exhibition games? There's just, you know, you hope to get some reports from training camp and and roll the dice on what obviously will be uh, an an impossible season to predict as far as health and and production. It's going to be hard, uh, especially with rookies, players in new places, guys coming back from injuries. Uh, And I'm I'm sure you probably saw this on Twitter uh, with the Packers today, the hubbub about what reporters are allowed to report they can't say like who's practicing with which teams and you know who's practicing in which formations and and things of that nature you know a lot of like you know a lot of other injury stuff they're very limited in what they can report you know miles sanders today goes out with a quote-unquote lower body injury out and he's week to week they're not going to get are they going to ever going to give us more details than that is this hockey all of a sudden yes 
The answer is absolutely yes. But there's people that have to draft. They're drafting now. They're drafting over the next couple of weeks. They're using your website to draft. Yeah, and we will do the best we can. But I have a draft tomorrow night. Uh, And, you know, having to rely on that information, him and Devontae Adams tweaked something today, but it looks like he came back in, so he's fine. But, you know, there's going to be, you're going to be put to that test. You know, Sanders might drop, and you're like, okay, what do I do with this? You know, earlier uh, earlier on, he was becoming like a, a trendy mid to late first round pick. If I'm drafting a day, I I don't even know if I take him at the end of the second round. That's such a valuable pick. And as my friend Scott Pianowski from Yahoo always says, why introduce air? You know, you know, it's it injuries are going to find you. Why introduce it when you have a guy with a known injury? Absolutely. Hey, meanwhile, I do want to uh, alert everybody to the, to the website and go to uh, rotowire.com. Mario Puig's got a daily training camp notes column. That's pretty good. Yeah, and we try to you know get you all, all one-stop shop. If you're in a hurry, just want to see what happened on that given day, Mario's got that up, and it's fantastic. He does a great job. Jerry Donabedian does uh, an ADP uh, article every week, so if you want to see what the draft trends are, do that. Chris Liss is updating projections constantly. Uh, we've got a dynasty article from John McKechnie every week. So we got you covered in a lot of different angles. Absolutely. Let's not forget, Mario's doing double duty, isn't he? Because he also has job battles going on in addition to his training camp notes. Yep, and he also does a lot of uh, IDP stuff as well for us. So Mario is, we put him to work pretty hard and heavy this time of year. Before I wrap it up with you, you enjoying the NBA playoffs so far? Honestly, I haven't watched a whole lot of that yet. You know, I've been, I've, you know, if baseball's on, that's my first choice. Uh, then, then after that, I'll go to hockey and basketball. I, I, I'll get more into uh, hoops, and we're just in the first round of games so far. I've been watching more hockey than hoops right now. But you're watching games like you see in Orlando upset Milwaukee, and then last night yeah, Portland beats I, the I Lakers. I did catch that game, and the Lakers too. So good. You're watching the upsets. That's the most important thing. You're checking yeah. that out. All right. Yeah. Awesome as always, Jeff. We appreciate it. We'll look forward to having you back with us again next week. All right. Sounds good, Steve. Follow Jeff Erickson on Twitter, folks, at Jeff underscore Erickson. Check out everything we talk about every week here, rotowire.com, your premium source for fantasy sports. 20 in front of 6 o'clock. We'll come back right after Adrian Ochoa and ABC 7 News with plenty more sports talk on 600 ESPN El Paso.